Oh my God, I think I'm recording. I've recorded as well. All right, so we're done. We recorded. Yeah, so we're, I think we're good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's just not recording? No. All right. Okay. All right, go ahead and press record whenever then, because I'm still recording. Okay. Make sure, make sure that we make sure that that's part of it. Oh yeah, I'm not cutting yeah. that out. And also, I I stopped recording for a second because I thought we were going to start God over. Damn so it, that's going to be another layer of stuff to edit. All right, you're editing this then. <laughs> Again? Yeah, you fuck. It's my third week in a row. <laughs> well, you keep making it difficult on me. I I get a pass because I'm the guest. Yeah, I'm but, not allowed to uh, be mad at Kevin. You know what, though? I think this is a great time to introduce. I think the guests should have to edit the episodes. Oh, I love that. Oh, man. That would be terrible for y'all. <laughs> I love that. It's like, yeah. we're putting too all much of a sudden, no one wants their... to be on our show. I don't get it. <laughs> it's giving them too much power. So bad. So bad. It, ah. I mean, editing, editing a podcast seems like it'd be a very simple thing to do, especially with, like, you know, only two hosts. It, it, like you think you just go in and you like, all right, sounds good. And you export it, but it's like so much little stuff and it takes so long. Oh know? yeah. And then you get like heavy breathing or like, Oh yeah. And like it, it, chair squeaks and dog barks. And I was, I was doing, uh, I don't want to deviate too much from shit, but I, I was, Please I do. was, uh, trying That's to like, we, we, we were working on something that has to do with recording audio for, um, throughout basically almost all of COVID. And so we haven't even met several people that we've been working with. We've just been doing it all remotely. And yeah. I, and like I was editing the, vo- the voiceover stuff. And so I spent a whole lot of my time just like zooming into stuff and taking out parts where people's chair hit their fucking desk. Oh God. Just yeah. like over and over. And I'm like, yeah, chair might be. <laughs> if you could mind the uh desk there yeah. <laughs> and me and uh you know i i i did it like bonnie did it it was just like it was all over the place so <laughs> dude the first our first few episodes um i was i literally bought a new laptop for this podcast because the old laptop i had i purposely tried to buy the most cheapest laptop like four years ago because this is my first idea that the only reason I got a laptop was to start a podcast. And I was just like, well, I'm not going to fucking buy, you know, a $500 laptop just to start a podcast. So I was just like, I'm going to get an Acer fucking 200. I think it was 180 bucks for a laptop. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I think the model is the Acer garbage can. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's going to end up in the fucking Acer garbage can because this thing's a piece of shit. And dude, I, I think I used it in the first like five episodes of this podcast and literally every time either my audio would just randomly cut out for like a minute or, um, we had such bad audio drift that like every five minutes or so, all of a sudden me and Brett are talking over each other. And then I'd have to like delete like a half second (laughs) of silent time. (laughs) And then we'd get aligned again and then it would get off again. And it was like... Literally, I think the first episode took me like three hours to edit. Now, oh was, my god! And I'm audio like, torture. Audio, it's fucking like horrible. So then I got my first stimulus check, and I'm like, okay, I'm buying a new fucking laptop. Like, yeah, worth it. <laughs> worth the money. It's it's already paid itself back in time for me. Yeah, 
Yeah. Jesus Christ. It's, it's, uh, I mean, you guys probably, I mean, clearly do it a lot more, so you're probably used to it, but like something that I never really, or still haven't gotten used to with editing, particularly voice, is like going, <laughs> going back over sections of the fucking thing over and over again, and it's like, like just restarting from the playhead over and over and over, and like, like through, when I'm editing throughout the day, and then at the end of the day, I like go pick up my son, and I'm like, I have this literal like 300 millisecond sound bite like stuck in my head it's a loop. just been fucking good. yeah <clears throat> it's awful oh my god anyway. it's terrible dude that's oh, been like one man. of the that's one of the the most interesting and maddening things about quarantine for me has been that when i get a song stuck in my head stuck in your head it, it, when i get it stuck in my head and literally it'll be two lines that I'll get stuck in my head and fucking I will not be able to stop. You can't I, get past I, it. Physi- I mentally cannot stop singing it over and over and over again. Like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and my brain's immediately singing it again. And I'm just like, dude, stress has never affected me like this before. This is like a weird <laughs> type of stress that I'm like, I'm not used to this. Yeah. Try a, tr- oh, fuck. Try having a toddler and doing that. Dude, like, all those kids songs. It's... T- what was, oh, what was that? Man. What was that song? Baby Shark, dude. Yeah. So I I heard that for the <laughs> yep. first time a few months ago. Um, but there was one that I don't know if you guys know that Leo Mastracchio guy on YouTube. He does metal covers and they're all really fucking good. Uh uh-uh. uh Oh, dude, he's great. He'll do metal covers of like. <clears throat> did you send me a uh, Tom Sawyer? I did. Yeah, he did Tom Sawyer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know what but you're talking about. Some of my favorites are like the most random shit that he'll choose to cover. But he did one that was like hamburger. Hot dog, rolling with my homies. It was some song that his daughter sang. So I'm guessing it's like a kid's song that's super popular right now. And they did like a metal, and it's awesome. His daughter is like six, and she's like headbanging in the video. Oh, is it is it chicken wing, chicken yes. wing, hot dog and bologna, rolling why? with my why? homies, dude? That's, why? A, that's it's TikTok. Do you both know man. that. Oh, it's oh, TikTok. Okay, because okay. I'm a I'm a TikToker. Right. Yeah, Brett the, is is uh, eight years old. I don't know if you can tell. Yeah, from his looks. I know I look. I everyone says I look older, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm actually an infant. That is, <laughs> <laughs> he just learned how to talk. He's really good at it. Thank you. I just dried Thank you, off, Daddy. Actually, <laughs> I just dried off from coming out. <laughs> they got all the juice off me. Oh, still got all the bits. Still, it gets in your nails. It's impossible. Oh, to get out. oh Jesus! Yeah, it's man. the worst. It's the worst, y'all. Uh, oh no! U- uterus oh, bits. Yeah. <laughs> I heard, pulpy I, and gross I, I listened y'all I just listened to that like last Nirvana album and it really spoke to me uh, was in it, utero oh, I yeah. think it was yeah yeah I think oh you, you did okay you listened to it um, while you were while you were in utero I'm sure yes yeah <laughs> and so I, a lot of the points that he brought up were very personal to me that's right. like it was a concept fresh, album right because they're fresh yeah, it was very yes, fresh, about as fresh as me as the right. day I was born. <laughs> You're so fresh, dude. I heard a great story. Uh, Action Bronson told a great story about his uh, wife being in labor, and he, she was listening. She was in labor for like 17 hours or some shit. Oh man! And apparently, all they were listening to was like Peruvian flute music, like while she was in labor, <laughs> to kind of like keep the to keep it chill. And All for right. like 17 hours, it's just like pan flutes, you know, like, and it was driving everyone crazy. Oh, so Action I said mean. that he like 
took it upon himself and turned off the flute music and put on DMX. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, stop, drop, shut him down. Open up. And he said that his kid like flew out of his life. <laughs> that she, like within like minutes of him putting on DMX, that kid fucking came out. And I was and, a like, fan. Dude, the power of music, man. Oh man, yeah, yeah. That's so good. I'm sure no one wants to get born to Peruvian flute music. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> no, uh, no. I mean, you got. I mean, it's all about energy. It's all about the energy and the attitude, dude. If you don't exactly. put him to sleep, you want him the fuck out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, you start if you start out life listening to DMX, you're gonna have a good energy the rest of your life. <laughs> That's where I fucked uh, up. That's where my parents fucked up. Really? <laughs> What'd you come out to? Probably fucking Juan Luis Guerra or, you know, Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull. Oh, that's not bad. Dude, <laughs> thank you. You're the first two people that haven't given me shit for liking Jethro Tull. Really? I, they're, they're like, for some reason, they get shit on by a lot of people. Hmm. And I swear it's because they won a Grammy for, like, Best Metal Album in, like, 1980 or some shit. Ooh. And everyone since then have just been like, fuck Jethro Tull. Like, they beat Led Zeppelin <laughs> or something. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, whatever. Those those awards mean nothing, man. Dude, right. you listen back to Jethro Tull, and they were metal. They're just like nerdy fantasy metal. They're fo- they're folk metal, <laughs> right? There's and you know it'll probably get get into it too about the about the the Green Day record, but there was a whole lot of that apparently happening at this time too with with Duke yeah yeah. yeah I, sure. I read a couple things about them you know you said selling out this is like their sellout album quote unquote <clears throat> so ridiculous yeah. so fucking it was ridiculous. weird and ironic because i think there was like oh I, I i watched i watched some uh like short documentary too about about like the the time in which all this stuff was happening in the bay area i guess and there was like a rift i guess between like san francisco bay area and the east bay like punk scenes oh. like mm-hmm. LA there's like the LA punk scene and then the uh San Francisco Bay Area and the East East Bay and like Oakland and whatever and it had become because punk at that point of course had been around a while and there was like a scene and and what I what I remember hearing was that like it got I mean it was intense right it was like hardcore that's what it was called before right and right yeah and it was intense. I mean, you go to a show there and you get the shit kicked out of you. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't and it wasn't like a welcoming atmosphere. It was like pure energy, you know, and um, a lot of aggression. And then there was like, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then and then, of course, then there was like this whole like neo-Nazi skinhead movement thing that was happening where like that sort of infiltrated the scene, I guess. And so then there were like the, it left a bunch of um, newer, I guess, people that were into punk music but didn't want any part of that. And mm, yeah. they're just kind of like there's new sort of like, you know, the the nerdy punk kids, but they were too y- young and didn't want to be involved in any of that or any of the like crazy political stuff. It was more about like being themselves and finding a scene. Mm, and so yeah. that sort of this like UK. Th- like style punk thing sort of developed out of the East Bay. And that's where I guess Green Day kind of came up uh, with some that's other, interesting, other folks. Wait, yeah, was that on YouTube? It well. Yeah, it was on YouTube. I think, I mean, I wrote it down. I see what the name of it was. 
It was called The Early Years. I think... Um, oh, there's a Green book. Day, The Early Years. There's a book called The Early Years. I think it, they probably took from that book and, and made uh, a documentary out of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe maybe so. It had it had a bunch of Spotify like spots in it, so maybe Spotify like produced something for it. Mm. But uh, it was really cool, man. It had a lot of good... Um, it had a lot of really good uh, like guests in it, like Laura... Laura Jane Grace was in it from Against Me. Love her. And uh, and uh, uh, Fat Mike spoke a lot in it. Yeah. Fat Mike so it was neat. talks a lot in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's in just about, he's got his fingers in just about every single pie. Yeah. Every that he can pie. get into. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's super interesting though. I feel like there's so much like behind the scenes shit in punk music that like I don't know anything about. And there's this, it's a weird like, tight-knit community um but also be it eventually became like really welcoming and open because i was like for me my introduction to punk was pop like was like newfound glory type of punk offspring and like bad religion and stuff but man when i first like went to warp tour i felt like my first time at warp tour i felt very unwelcomed like it was, it was such a weird, like, I didn't like the culture and that's what I think made me connect with ska a lot more because mm-hmm. the ska culture <laughs> is just having fun and dancing with each other and being friends and like yeah, allowing yeah. yourself to look like a fucking idiot and be goofy. And the punk thing yeah. was just like having to be cooler, having to know more, uh, than the, than the other guy. And, and, Oh, you're, you fucking don't listen to casualties. Like, okay. Yeah. Go have fun. Listen to good Charlotte. Yeah. Which, by you got the their way, CD. I mean, what about their forty-five, man? Yeah, yeah. Did you get 45. the seven-inch? You fucking <laughs> poser. Poser was like the worst fucking insult you could be called in like the punk community. It's so man. Look, it, it's so dumb. Like, could you imagine being a punk and like trying to gatekeep people out of your music? Like that's yeah, such an unpunk thing to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, you know, and and that uh, that was the vibe I got from a lot of what I read about because that when i watched that thing it also kind of spurred me to like look up a lot of these places that they talked about they talked about um gilman street was the name of a venue that is in the east bay area and that's where like a lot of the like og early 90s um punk bands went that were of that sort of genre and not of the like traditional hardcore genre mm-hmm. yeah and there was a lot of this like fracturing of of groups and that place represented at least to like green day the band and and various producers that were in that area like the place where the weird the outcasts of the current punk society like had their community i guess right so it's like that happened and then i you know not to i guess not to get too far ahead but like then when they you know did uh signed with a major label and did bigger things, then they sort of fractured even from that because that, that venue wanted to remain like an underground venue. So they didn't like let them play there and stuff. So it's weird. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like we, they, like they gave you a home (laughs) because you felt outcasted from another like group of people. And then eventually now you've become an outcast from your own group that you almost started because like i mean fuck me man like if if getting a major label and a album that blows you up and you start making money is selling out then fucking i will sell out give me an an opportunity (laughs) if i can still have my artistic um integrity then i will fucking sell out the moment that someone lets me to 
Like, oh yeah, I mean, so funny. Yeah, I mean, in in it's, high school, the the Rude Boys are my ska band. Like, we had a song called like, I mean, so did Real Big Fish. We were obviously ripping them off, but we had a song called Sellout, <laughs> and we were saying just like, <laughs> okay, the chorus right. was, "We wish we could sell out." Like we would say it over, like we would say it in the chorus, and it's just like, <laughs> God damn it, give us an opportunity to fucking sell out because I want to. Yeah, Look at, yeah, okay. yeah. The 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 term selling out is such a weird one to me because it feels like it's it's not actually what it is to me selling out is maybe doing something artistically or musically that you wouldn't do or that goes against what you want to do right right? but getting on a major label and being successful is not selling out (laughs) and i think we only say that because you know uh as not successful bands you want to feel a little better about yourself or something like yeah i'm not gonna sell out and like make money and be on TV and stuff. Cause I'm real. Yeah. The, yeah. the weird <laughs> yeah. pride that you get from like being broke as a musician. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I've never, especially that. as a punk. Yeah. 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 Especially. Yeah. Especially as punk. It's so, um, that whole community is so like, I don't know what the word is. It's like reciprocal. It, you know, it breeds this like, um, anti-establishment counterculture be who you want to be thing and then it inherently creates this like tightly knit like fuck you yeah kind of <laughs> attitude yeah but then it, it, it turns out if who you want to be is uh something that they don't agree with and all of a sudden you're not welcome anymore <laughs> yeah yeah like a band called cop slaughter uh that we play with made a song about like dressing punk and looking punk because if you don't look punk and you go to punk shows even these days like people look down on you for some reason if you're not wearing a a ripped jean jacket with casualty patches and a misfits you know dude like every single fucking show that we played as mortalis where the dude who had a a denim vest on that was covered in patches of of metal bands you're just like okay you're the ultimate yeah (laughs) everyone make room for the fucking metal guy I know. I, I love, uh, this is probably a cliche now, a cliche of a cliche, but, um, I love the idea that, that, that it's anti-establishment culture, like fuck the man or whatever. And it's a uniform, right? Like you yeah. need to wear this uniform to be part of the club. And it's like, Oh, you know what also it's, does that? Like <laughs> cops, right? Very hypocritical. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Right. It's, it's just weird. <clears throat> but uh, it, luckily, in in the scenes I've seen, I think that's that kind of ideology is is weakening and wavering over the years. It looks like we're getting more accepting of people, yeah, uh, which is really cool. It's yeah. it's really cool to see in the punk scene the acceptance of like trans and like gay and and lesbian. And, oh yeah, oh. in the in the uh, thriving even yeah. of those kind of people. Yeah, yeah. it's like we're finally that was... becoming what punk was supposed what was has meant this whole time is just being who you yeah. are. And being comfortable yeah. being yourself. Yeah, and I think during the development, that was a big theme. Like during the development of early, uh, like you know, early Green Day, and then when they started playing um, in the East Bay, that was a big thing. Is like um, their fir- well, I guess jumping forward a little, their, their first tour after they got on with Reprise, which is their when they signed for Dookie. Yeah, their first tour was with uh, Pansy Division. And um, have you guys listened to Pansy Division? Never heard of Never, them. Never, no. 
they're they're like I've not listened to much of them. I just heard of them when I was reading about this, but they're really they're like a, a really outward spoken group of uh, I don't know if there's any women, but gay gay men. And so at the time, and they're I mean they're they their songs are really explicit when it comes to that type of stuff and really <laughs> in your face, man. Like like I won't even say stuff on here, but you can look it up. It's Damn. it's uh, Anyway, but they went on tour. They opened for Green Day on that tour. And um, so they, like, kind of opened the doors. So a bunch of punks, you know, people who... There was this, like, this union, this Venn diagram of people who were, like, the old punk scene, that like, like the OG West Coast punk. And then there were, like, new people who were into the poppy side. And they show up at this thing, and all of them were, like, hit in the face with Pansy Division. And they had to kind of like, what I remember somebody saying was like, they had to kind of confront, if they had it in the early 90s, they kind of had to confront their um, uh, homophobia, if they had it. And they didn't think, you know what I mean? Because like no one was doing that at the time. It was real hardcore. Yeah. Um, So it was just really like that, that became a thing. I think even on the record, um, I don't remember which track it is, but uh, Billy Joe talks. Yeah. 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 Coming clean. Kind of comes out as... He, he doesn't say it in the song, but uh, on Genius, I read that it was kind of his coming out as bisexual. Right. Yeah, that he finally... Which I, I never knew until I, until this week. Same. Yeah, I didn't either. Same. And I don't know how I didn't pick it up from that song. Like, when you when you put two and two together, you're like, God damn, it's so obvious when you realize what he's talking about. Um, but yeah, it's like I never would have known. And apparently, yeah, he was struggling with, with that at like 16 or 17 years old. And he like finally just decided like or realized like, you know, that that's what he was into. Um, but yeah, man, that's something that like, like that was one of the, I I had to understand and it made me want to understand more whenever Laura Jane Grace became Laura Jane Grace. Like when that album Mm. came out, Transmorphia blues or something like that. Oh yeah. The single from that record, man, is that the name of the record? That's the name of the record. Okay. Um, but I fucking love that album. And I mean, I've always liked Against Me. And I've always loved them. But like that album felt so much so personal. Mm-hmm. And I connected to that album in a way that like I'm not, you know, struggling with who I am per se, even though like we probably are every day, like in a certain way. But it's like I'm not, you know, like dealing with any sort of like gender dysmorphia. But God damn, like hearing her go through it and put it in a way that's like very explicit. I mean, she's, you know, putting, he's, she's being real fucking real about it and really mm-hmm. dark yeah. and very honest about it. And I think that was a moment in my life where I felt like I was going through a change. Like I just graduated college. I was starting my career. I didn't know who I was in like that type of setting. Like I didn't know who I was as an adult yet. And um, I immediately connected with that. And it was just like, once I connected with the fact that like she dealt with a really crazy change and like, and she's still dealing with it. Then I was just like, well, what does that mean for her? Cause like the whole, the trans thing really just started kind of like becoming more publicly, the public became more aware of it. Like right around that time, like 2011, 2012, like for me, I became more aware of it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that was like, it prompted me to want to look into it. And I feel like that's like a great thing that music can do too, is just like kind of confront you with things. To say like, hey, deal with it. Like, you know, again, we'll get into this a little bit more, but it's like one of the things I liked about, um, I want to say it was Longview or Basket Case, where he says like the 
the prostitute, like he says, he says I was a bore, like talking That's about a prostitute yeah. case. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I was just like, oh shit, he kind of flipped it. Like even when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, he kind of flipped it on its head a little bit. And even then, because I was a kid also like, you know, fucking patriarchy or whatever. But I was just like, oh, weird. He made the psychologist a woman instead of a guy, yeah. you know, like the doctor's a woman. Like, you know, and I was, and so to me, I was just like, yeah, oh, he did two man. things that like made me have oh, to think, yeah. you know? I didn't get that. I didn't pick up on that until way, 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 way later. Like, I don't know when the last time I listened to this record before I said, like, hey, let's do this one. Yeah. But probably, I mean, it wouldn't have been maybe 10 years ago or earlier. And that's probably when I noticed that. Like, I, I don't know. It was, it was early for them and interesting of them to approach those things. Because I think that's another thing is when I, how old were we? When this, when came this out? record came out, Lucas, I was yeah, negative like, one. Yeah, negative. One. Brett was just a, <laughs> I was, a whisper of a thought. Brett, I, Brett was, I was still wet. I was not ex- extant in this world. You might have been a zygote. <laughs> nope, not even a zygote. I was, I was just a thought in my daddy's balls. Of you, That's as right. you've said before. Just, uh, well, you had cell walls. <laughs> uh, thought in my daddy's balls. Yeah, I've, I've still, I called him that before. Um, I, we were seven. Yeah, like, so as far as, like, messages are concerned or, like, depth, like, it was It didn't hit you. No. Yeah. It it wasn't, and, 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 yeah, it wasn't there. And, um, yeah, it it wouldn't have been, really, I guess I didn't start listening to it until probably, like, 10 or something. We had to start Um, listening around the same time, so, like, what, fourth or fifth grade? (laughs) Fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just right when I was listening to, like, Blink and corn and Jimmy Eat world and like all that early, early stuff. Yeah. Or not Jimmy yeah. Eat world. Sorry. Jimmy's chicken shack. <laughs> Jimmy's chicken shack. Way better than Jimmy Eat world, which because I have an opportunity to tell this, uh, <laughs> to where other people will fucking hear it. I'm going to tell this story to Brett. Uh, all right. Um, I feel like I already know what story you're going to tell. You know yeah. what story. So yeah. Jimmy's, have you ever heard, listen to Jimmy's chicken shack? I've never heard of that. No. Okay. I, I hadn't either until like whatever the last time I re-listened to it and sent it to you, Lucas, like yeah. weeks ago. But um, in fifth grade, in Mrs. Kroll's class. Shout out, Miss Kroll. Shout out, Miss Kroll. Um, she's the one who got me to read Lord of the Rings, so good on her. Holy shit. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we, had, we had Mr. Shriver for math. And we were sitting there doing that, and we brought, Lucas always brought his CD players, and we'd share music. And he put on Jimmy's Chicken Shack, and I don't remember what the track was, but he turned it up, like, (laughs) all the way. And stuck it in my ears. And this song was one of those that, like, starts with kind of jammy rhythm guitar. Yeah. And then it it just, like, explodes in your face with laughter. And I, as a fifth grader, in the middle of the class, I just yelled out, shit, real loud. <laughs> in the middle of like, a quiet In the middle of room. class. And, and so I had to go to the principal's office for the first and last time in my life. Um, did, he, did he excuse you because your ears were bleeding? <laughs> he probably should have, but instead he just made an example out of me. And, oh, uh, great. Lucas, yeah, fuck you, man. Oh, but it's, buddy. hey, you ruined my perfect record. <laughs> but can... it was cool. It was a good record. It was a good record. That, uh, <laughs> man, I, I distinctly remember that. That was my, my sports 
uh, CD player, the the black and yellow fucking Sony CD player that had that big metal clasp. I loved that mm-hmm. fucking thing. Um, so you could wear it on your acid wash jeans. Yeah, so I can put it in the back pocket <laughs> of my menace jeans, and my and my chain wallet wouldn't fucking scratch it. Uh, I have a if, as long as we're sharing stories. Let me let me share a story about how I got sent to the principal's office because of Kevin. Kind of. It, I well, what? Uh, okay, as judge and jury, I think it's only fair that Lucas gets to share his story. It was kind of so Kevin's fault, but not really because it was my choice to do this. But um, <laughs> we were into a video game on the sixty four called Turok. I don't know if you've heard of Turok, Brett. Yeah, the dinosaur one. Yes, Dinosaur Hunter. Yeah. So I was super into that game, and. Um, I want to say, Kevin, you, you had a computer before me or something. Like, I didn't... I think you had a, a personal computer before I did. But, so, Kevin one day brought me all the cheat codes for Turok to class. And I was like, oh, shit, buddy. I'm about to get fucking radioactive arrows and shit. I'm about to kill some raptors. <laughs> big head mode. Big, big, big head, head mode. mode, dude. So, he... Um, so, during class, in kind of the, the on the DL... Kevin starts, he passes the, he starts passing the cheat codes over to me. And as I'm reaching for him, there's a girl sitting in between us and she grabs the cheat codes like from Kevin and won't give them to me. Oh. And in the middle of a, of a class, Mr. Shriver was, was teaching and he was writing something on the board. And I said, uh, and I went, give it back, bitch. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you, you. You two were some nasty little boys. You had sailor's mouths. Dude, South Park came out in fourth grade. Like, I was cussing up a storm by the time we were in fifth grade. Uh, I remember Jamie teaching me how to cuss, like, telling me where I could say fuck. And, like, I was like, he was teaching me that in third grade. Um, I'm sure this was his fault. Somehow, somehow this is Jamie's (laughs) fault. Um, But yeah, he, I I said, give it back, bitch. And immediately, (laughs) Mr. Shriver. Like, doesn't even, like, pull his hand from the board. He just, like, turns around and looks right at me. And everyone's looking at me. And I, I just went, what? What? And just pretended I didn't say it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what, I don't know who that was. That was yeah, got sent to I the principal's office. Like, oh, that was loud. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Shriver was just like, hey, buddy, I know you're a good kid, but, like, I have to send you to the principal's office. And I was just, like, crying. I'm like, okay. And I had to write her a letter and say and apologize to her. Ooh, well, because she stole your cheat codes. Yeah, she shouldn't have been a bitch. The, the injustice of this world. Well, eye for an eye, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what you get for for being a, a B. What's up, buddies? It's <laughs> <laughs> time to start the episode, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Earbuds, the podcast where very good friends talk about very good albums for a very good amount of time. We are the odd couple of podcasts, or as everyone calls us, the pod couple of oddcasts. Mm-hmm. We yep. are your hosts, Lucas, the man hammer Indrakovs, and Brett, the, <laughs> the hammer man, the hammer man, Handra hand. Yes. Thank you very much. And today we have a very special guest who I love. <laughs> With all my heart, uh, he is one of my best friends, one of the guys I've known almost pretty much my whole life. Uh, we met when we were like eight years old, I think. Um, and now we are 34, and we still know each other. Um, very special guest, my friend, Kevin Cool. 
Kev, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Long time listener, first time caller. (laughs) Yeah, Kev Kev would send me texts, man, like saying like, dude, I wish I could live comment on this shit and like talk shit to you guys while while I'm listening. And I'm like, leave us a goddamn comment. And then I'll I'll fucking read it on the goddamn episode. (laughs) I, yeah, I'm, I'm less social. I'm less on the social medias these days, but. I, yeah, I wanted to. I mean, it was more like a real time. Like I was listening in my car. I think I don't remember. What, it might have been the thrice episode, and I was listening in my car, and there were things about the record, and I just wanted to like yell at. So I just kind of started <laughs> talking at you guys, and we responded yeah. back, which was really right. weird. Yeah, you just totally ignored me, and I felt really awful. Yeah, that, uh, uh, that'd be so much fun if we had some sort of like if we had a live show and people could just yell shit at us. Well, we're because I'm sure like some of these albums, like that thrice album, like Kev, I know like you're, you're probably the biggest thrice fan I know. Mm. And I'm sure there's so many things that we did not mention that you were just like, how could you not say that? Or like, how did you not call this part out? Or, you know, and it's, yeah, it was a lot of agreement. It was a lot of agreement or like, yeah, that fucking part, you know, yeah, uh, <laughs> that type of stuff, that fucking, <laughs> That fucking, yes. uh, yeah, I just like, yeah, pretty sure I've looked at Kevin and done that exact move like so many times, <laughs> either live, dude. I've, d- I've done that now. So now, my son, who is three and a half, his name's Harvey. Shout out, Harvey, old Harvey, he, Harvey, cool. He, uh, <laughs> well, I was listening, well, even, even Green Day, right? I was listening to this song, um, when I pick him up from school, sometimes they put on music, and I always, I, Admittedly, maybe I'm a bad parent, but I turn I turn it up loud sometimes, because <laughs> we'll, he likes it and we like it. And he goes, "I was listening to I think it was FOD." Um, I love that song from this track. Oh, it's mm. so good. Anyway, I was listening to it and I was like, "You want to listen to this band's called Green Day?" And he was like, "Green Day." And I was like, "Yeah." And I put the I put it on, and then when it got to the after it gets past the acoustic part, and it just kind of like comes in. Oh, you blasted that. And I just like cranked it up and he, he gets like kind of, he like, when I do something like that, he gets like kind of embarrassed. He's too young to like know, but he kind of like smiles and like tries to hide his smile. <laughs> and then after we we're done, so it's like, even now, like I do the drum thing and he like knows what's up, you know? Fuck yeah, man. He like, it's, it's funny. Uh, and I turn it down and he goes, he goes, dada, why do you like loud music? And I was like, I don't know, man. I think, do you like loud music? He's like, yeah. <laughs> don't question it bud don't question yeah, it. why are you asking yeah. me we're all just big old gorillas on this big blue rock man hey man we just got to do what we need to do to get by we're all just did stoked. you tell him what a green day was <laughs> I, did. I, I did not it will someday I, yeah, we'll get someday. to that well every Kev, every parent gives that speech one day oh man yeah i i pity the day you have to give him the green day speech um <laughs> kev you uh selected this album that we're talking about today, which is Dookie by Green Day. Yeah. So what, uh, what made you want to pick this one? I knew you were, you were deliberating a bunch of different ones. I was, it was embarrassing. I, it took me a long time to pick an album. Um, but yeah, I picked, I picked this one because, um, if you know me, like Lucas does, I, I'm a pop punk fan. I mean, I, when I was in a band in high school and prior, it was a lot of, a lot of pop punk skate punk stuff and i'm really into that so i was trying to think like how can i connect to that um what was important and i was like you know what i think the first sound that i had that really led to that for me was this record mm. was dookie 
man. And, um, and so I wanted to kind of dig into it and, uh, and go re-listen to it and think about it and learn about it. So, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, when you were, uh, you were deliberating which album Lucas texts me, he's like, Oh man, like he was going to choose Dookie, but now we're not sure. And it sucks. Cause I really want to listen to Dookie. He's like, Lucas, you could just listen to it, man. Like, nah. <laughs> just go and listen to it, even if we don't do an episode. But I'm glad you chose it, because uh, he doesn't listen to anything he doesn't have to. Not anymore. Right. You know, after last year with the fucking albums of the day thing, man, I, I, I only listen to what I have to at this point. I've, I've reverted <laughs> back. And we, yeah, uh, the other choices, the other, I was just, I don't know. I listened to so many albums and was like, oh, this one's good. This one's good. But this one was really the kind of true, I don't know, origin of of that type of stuff. Between this and like Nirvana, and like some of this grungy stuff that happened, uh, this was really kind of the the starting point for me. Which is cool because I think a lot of the history, like some of the the bands that came at the same time or after that we really got into later on, you know, Lucas, like Blink One Eighty Two and like Alkaline Trio and yeah. these other like bands like this. Like I, I, from what I understand anyway, a lot of that came out of the same time in this movement and like the poppy punk thing. So yeah, man, it's weird to like think about this album as pop punk for me. Cause like grow, yeah. growing up, it never, I never considered this pop punk, but yeah. it's considered one yeah. of the best pop punk albums or most influential pop punk, pop punk albums of like all time. And it's weird to think about, about offspring, and uh, Dookie, like this album specifically, being pop punk, I never put it under that that category. No. What was it to you? Just punk or rock or what? It was just alternative rock to me. Like all right, yeah. I mean, right around this time, like again, like Offspring was like huge at this time too. So like, I got into Offspring and Green Day at the same time. Um. And and then going like then I found Bad Religion and like sometimes Bad Religion can be considered pop punk which is like fucking weird to me yeah that's weird <laughs> but man it's this album uh yeah right around the time i started listening to blink 182 where like dude ranch came out around this time mm-hmm. holy shit this album was huge 94.5 the buzz the radio station in houston played brain stew and basket case and when i come around and long view and all these like so much green day was on the radio at the time and I was just, I was all about it, dude. All about it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, it's actually, I think we've had two people that wanted to come on the podcast also wanted to do this album. Right, Lucas? Oh, really? Oh, really? Did someone else it was want to a, do it? Uh, it was Peter, right? Um, and uh, it was your roommate's. Oh no, Chris? Peter! Peter and Chris wanted to do um, "Enema of the State." Oh, that's which, what it was. which okay, I was mad that. about because I wanted to do that one too. So we talked about <laughs> like we talked about that because that was I know I texted Chris when he said that, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, He's like, hey a, man, yeah, listen, you gotta get off, off my turf. <laughs> no, no, that was that's good because that's a, a meaningful one for him for sure, but. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all kind of like that whole thing, uh, that 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 whole like mix of bands or whatever. The fact that it I, it kind of came out at the same time, and like I said, what was it like th- like two or three years before it came? It came out two or three years before I probably really started listening to it. Mm. 
so learning where all that came from was um was pretty cool dude I, it's weird that, that i was listening <clears throat> to this at the same time as corn yeah <laughs> it doesn't i that's a polarity flip right right there that's a that's a i don't <laughs> like bush like i was listening to a shit ton of bush at this time oh, 16 stone yeah probably. yeah yeah 16 yeah. stone um fucking white zombie yeah all these like really <laughs> like they don't connect there's not a lot of crossroads there no but yeah but still i mean yeah no and and, uh, and you guys recently did limp biscuit three dollar billy all that came yeah after. but but uh it, it was all like kind of connected to that um Anyway, yeah, I I think what was interesting about this, like, so Green Day clearly was like, or Green Day Dookie was very successful. Yeah. Um, But before, it was before the Kerplunk? Yeah. Yeah, Kerplunk. um, They had like, I I remember reading that they had like, they built like a following, I guess they were on Lookout Records before. Mm. And then... They built a following, they did like a small tour, and then they weren't equipped to really kind of grow that sound or whatever. It surprised me how good like business people they actually were, it seemed like, in, in, in music. Right. Because um, hmm. then they decide, like you were saying earlier about selling out, like they decided, no, people like this. Like they keep asking us, we have, like, where can I buy the record? And they're like, ugh. Right. We don't have that. We don't have the reach. Yeah. You know, like, and, uh, and, and then they decided like, well, shit, we need to, we need to go play bigger stuff. We need a different like label. We need to do different thing. And then when they sold, when they actually came out with it, it only sold 9,000 copies in the first week. This record. Dookie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Really? <clears throat> in the first in week. In the first week. Yeah. And then exploded after that when people found out about it. But it was like because they had just, I guess because they had just changed. I could be wrong. T- tell me if you find something different. But well, um, yeah, this music music usually takes a little bit to actually catch on and become like singles and hits and stuff like that. So it makes yeah. sense. They, had, they yeah. had five singles from this album. Like that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, front. I mean, they, yeah, they loaded. They loaded it up. Right. They had. They had the singles. They had like three videos. Mm-hmm. MTV was like, of course, huge at this time. Right. Um, yeah, I think. And then they had the tour with Pansy Division. Yeah, Longview was their first single. Um, but yeah, it's and this has been ever since it came out, tw- over twenty million copies or almost twenty million copies total have been sold like worldwide. Yeah. Sheesh. That's like twenty times <laughs> platinum, right? A million copies is platinum. Yeah. Holy fuck. It's insane. Yeah. It's nuts. And um, the time, I guess the, I don't know. I'm sure that they couldn't know, but the timing was apparently kind of a thing for its success because I I don't remember what other grunge stuff was out at this time, but I guess grunge had kind of turned into, or maybe it had like burned out a little bit. Um. Yeah. So there's like, like the, so there were some, I mean, I had to look this up because like, I was like, dude, 1994, which is when the year that this album came out, I'm like, that was, I feel like a huge year in rock music. Can uh, I just name some of these albums that came out? Cause it really fucking blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the downward spiral by nine inch nails. 
Oh, wow. Definitely Maybe, mm. Oasis. Ooh. Uh, Mellow Gold, Beck, that had Loser on it. Yeah. Oh. Um, Purple, Stone uh, Stone Temple Pilots, that had like fucking, what song's on here? Uh, it had Vaseline and like a few other ones on oh. there. Ooh, what year did Greatest Hits come out, Lucas? Oh, um, Go Fuck Yourself. The <laughs> 2000, Shove It Up Your Ass. <laughs> The fucking <laughs> this guy, this guy listened to for his album of the day. He listened to Stone Temple Pilots greatest hits. He was like, "Oh my god, there's so many great songs on this album." I, was like, I don't oh, know I why this is a bigger deal. Did you wait? Did you review this? Yes. Record? And I didn't find out. You that thought it was, it was a, just a regular record? Yeah, I didn't find out it was a greatest hits until uh, Michael told me at band practice, and I was just like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> I'm like no wonder There goes my rep Every single song I was just like This was a huge hit I'm like how have I Never heard of this record Because the album Was called Thank You So I didn't know It was a fucking oh. Greatest Hits I thought it was called Greatest Hits I was like uh, Dude you need to Fucking I need to smoke less weed Connect here <laughs> uh, Okay Just a few more uh, The Blue uh, Weezer Blue album Fucking Oh wow. Ill Communication uh, uh, Beastie Boys, fucking dude, Sixteen Stone, um, that just to name a few, man. Uh, that I mean, that, that, that was all came out in ninety four, and then, but wow. the one thing that that kind of made me want to bring that up was that um, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden also released an album in nineteen ninety four, and um, they weren't very big for them. It was super unknown, and Vitology, Vitology by Pearl Jam. Was Super Unknown not a big record for Soundgarden? Uh, you know, I'm trying to find... I feel like it was a... It had Black Hole Sun and Spoon Man. So, yeah, so they uh, had two singles. The Day I t- Try to Live? Well, then, fucking fine. All right? I just never... <laughs> I never heard of that Pearl Jam record. Uh, what, what was on the Pearl Jam record? Let me see. Welcome to a new episode of Lucas is a fucking... Yeah, well, like, welcome to... <laughs> Lucas just jumps to conclusions, Okay. Jesus. Okay. All right. I only have the courage when when guests are on. Otherwise, he'll he'll just beat me yeah, up. Yeah, he'll beat me. Usually, railroad all over this guy. Fucking. Again, I don't like this newfound confidence you have. All of a sudden, you move so, in with your friends, and you're fucking too. You're too smart for me now. I'm 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 a I'm a big old man now. Big man. You know, big man over here. I've grown from a big old boy to be a big old man. Big boy. I'm I'm all about instigating a fight here. So yeah. (laughs) And one thing I forgot, which we I think we were saying gross shit before we started recording, but I forgot that was part of me and Kevin's uh, overall friendship was trying to gross each other out (laughs) and say the most offensive jokes we could and trying to outdo each other. Jeez. It's now that we're like air quotes adults uh it's it's had to dial back but it's it's there's so many things i feel horrible for saying um and Uh making jokes of and like i can't bring myself to say the same things now i I think that's when you know you've grown up yeah that's i think that's maturity (laughs) setting in if that's if that's true then we were late bloomers man oh boy i mean college was uh Anyway, moving on. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wanted to ask a question real quick. Uh, I wanted to ask, I, like this this album is so big, uh, and I feel like I don't know. I expected if anyone brought in a Green Day album, I expected to bring the 
in uh, American Idiot mm. because I feel like that was probably one of their bigger albums. And I was wondering if there was like any inclination to go to that one or what's your fa- Is this your favorite Green Day album or what? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think um, so. I didn't in retrospect, I didn't like Idiot. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, I didn't like Idiot. And, and I think this, this was just closer. The sound is, is, similar with some exceptions i guess but but the the songs the way they're written and whatever really kind of reminded me of of a lot of the bands that i listened to back then more so than idiot did and i was into Mm. different stuff i think when idiot came out um i was into heavier stuff and i just kind of didn't pay attention to it so i think i just had more of a nostalgic connection with it um i did listen to it yesterday though and i have a different feeling towards it now i think i do like it um it was just a i don't know i guess i just had more of a time a temporal connection with this with this one if that makes sense i love american (laughs) idiot um you do oh is this what we were gonna argue about well yeah it's kind of crazy that brett brought it up so like yeah brett me and kevin were were texting and somehow american idiot came up and uh, and we were talking about Dookie and then you were kind of relating it to um, that when American Idiot came out, you didn't think that Green Day, like that them going from a, just a band that kind of talked about their own personal issues and, and maybe had some goofier stuff and things, things that didn't take themselves too seriously mm-hmm. that when they kind of shifted into being like more politically having a stance and like, writing songs for a reason rather than whatever, like trying to put with a message. You said that you, there mm-hmm. was something about that that you didn't like and that yeah. you didn't, you didn't yeah, connect I, with it. Yeah. I th- like, I mean, so when I think of like an, like a political or like a, a band with a purpose or something, I think of like a bad religion. Yeah. Rise you know, against or like, yeah. Rise against anti-flag, mm-hmm. something like that. I don't know. But, um, but then, you know, and I, th- I, my words, I think, were like when I listened to the record and I wrote down a bunch of notes, and I was like, you know what, this this record and like the theme of it is almost just about absolutely like nothing. Like I, I, I not not that there are certain songs, of course, that are that are about stuff, but I meant like a lot of it is just about boredom mm. and just like, angst. Um, yeah, I think what I said was it's they. It seemed like they stood. They didn't like stand for. A lot they're they're making it was fun music they had some things to say a lot of it was just about being bored and everything and then i read a lot of the notes about the album clearly that's not true yeah a lot of personal y- stuff. yeah there's but, there's some <clears throat> substance in there there's some de- there's some deeper stuff in there but then when i th- when i was thinking about um uh idiot it, it was like you know american idiot is like really political and stuff and it was like I don't know. I just didn't connect with that message as much. It felt kind of like, um, like, sh- I don't know, not shallow, just not sophisticated. I don't know. It, 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 did, like it didn't fit. It didn't fit what they were trying to, what they did. Did you feel initially. like it wasn't as personal to them? Maybe. Yeah, maybe it felt natural. Yeah. It felt kind of natural. Like the, 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 it didn't feel as natural, I guess, as, as like, the first one that they did, or I mean, uh, as like Dookie and Nimrod and that type of right. stuff. Um, but, but any, anyway, I mean like it didn't feel that way at first, but then I, I mean, as I kind of learned more about it, 
and learn like where they came from. One kind of realization I came to was <clears throat> if anything, if this, if this, this record started like a movement or whatever, and was a, was like a, a big deal for like punk or pop punk at the time, it may have been that it was about the sound of punk and bringing more people into that thing. Like, because it was poppy, um, it became kind of a thing that people that weren't into punk before sort of associated with because it was poppy. It was more about the sound, I guess, than it was about, um, you know, the, the lyrics and everything like that in terms of like who it got to, right. who it's it a, attracted. It's a very accessible type of punk. Right. Definitely. Right. And they didn't play. I, I think they, uh, so anyway, like when idiot came out, like what, what dookie means to me, there's clearly like, a group of people younger than me who like idiot is their thing, right? That brought it's them me. In. I you. was I was about eight, or seven, eight or nine when American Idiot came out. Yeah, 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 exactly. So like, and that's that that I think when I realized that, I was like, oh, well, then they're that's that's still awesome because it's doing something. It's continuing to do the same thing for a next generation. Yeah, which is like exactly what it was meant to do. Yeah, and it, and it might be one of those things too that like maybe. Also, yeah, you were kind of getting out of that type of music to begin with, like, and getting into more yeah. heavier stuff. But that's definitely something that, like, um, bands get shit for all the time. That they're just like, why do you, why do you have to change your sound? And it's just like, well, hey, we we can't play the same thing all the time, right? Like nonstop. But it is like that is how you get new fans. It's just like you have to, like you're getting people in the door by like some people's bad religion album that got them into them. What you know might be like. Um, what's the hell one? Hell looks a lot like LA or something like that. And then, uh, and then my intro to them was uh, the Gray Race, which is like considered one of their popular, poppiest albums that they've ever written. But like, fuck, mm-hmm. man, it got me into Bad Religion. And then I got into their whole catalog after that. You know, um, yeah. But yeah, there's definitely something like I would at the time when American Idiot came out. I feel like all rock bands were all had the same message that they were trying to send and i think uh i've always been a green day stan like i've loved everything <laughs> that they've done so uh when american idiot came out dude i gobbled that shit up did you i i lo- i loved some i loved some tracks on that album i will admit i can't remember which off the top of my head um, i listened to it this morning it just man. Felt, felt a little different yeah I, lis- I listened to it this morning and i forgot how much i loved it like I love I it. I love it, dude. St. Jimmy. I love and, that album. And yeah, St. Oh, Jimmy. Yeah. Saint Holiday is Holiday. on there. That's like one of my favorite Green Day songs. Yeah, Boulevard of Broken uh, Dreams. I think we've I all. I like that one. Yeah, it was. No? Yeah, you know. No. I don't know why, but. I think we've all probably heard American Idiot too many times to like it anymore. I, sk- I didn't even. I, I that's know. the only one I didn't listen to. <laughs> Even though yeah, I, I always skip past that one, I love the riff on that. Yeah, I used to love that song so much, but I think that's why I can't listen to it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's another I guess thing about you know no matter what record, um, all their music was so approachable for for, you know, yeah. just like punchy, yeah, punk rock. And they mentioned in that um, documentary I mentioned that when when you started like you had like the punk scenes and when when dookie and and then you know their subsequent albums came out it was like you'd go somebody who was like a nerdy 
you know, guy who was into punk rock would go see a Green Day show and they'd be there with like the football team or something. You know, it's like people that you wouldn't, they wouldn't have hung out with or something like that. All of a sudden, like kind of like the same music and there was like this scene change sort of. Yeah. Um, and that happened multiple times in their career because they just kept kind of readdressing um, accessible punk rock, you know. And uh, accessible on multiple levels. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like, when we were playing like the pop punk band I was in in high school, you could break out into any one of these fucking songs mm. at practice. Oh yeah, uh, instantly. Because sure. it's so easy and it's so, and it's there in your head. It's like, I mean, I can't. Over the last several days, I can't count how many times I've like hummed. You know, a <laughs> I used to do the uh, guitar riff. the Godzilla remix of Brain Stew a lot at practice in high school. <laughs> And I just go, yeah, I go, did it. I just did it. I did that a lot. Uh, what, what? Let me just real quick. How do you, what do y'all think about like modern Green Day? But that's a, it's a loaded question because I am a Green Day. Like, seriously, I've loved everything that they've done. Ex- except I mean, Uno Dos Trey. That's what I mean. I've loved everything that they've done, except pretty much everything that they've done after American Idiot. I, I haven't liked anything after American Idiot um, that much. Like to be honest, though, the father of all motherfuckers. Like I actually kind of liked that record, but it got panned. Like critically, like it got they critics hated it. Yeah, and I really liked oh, it. Really? it was also- do you, did you all ever see the billboard they had to promote that album? Nah. No, Father of All? That, that one? Yeah, Father of All. It's kind of a... It's... It, 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 that might be part of the reason why people did not like that album at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, because just the way they promoted it. And it, it seemed kind of like snobby, honestly. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm also not really a fan of anything after American Idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. But I did I, like I did like that single off Father of All. The da, 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 da. Yeah, they they wrote a uh White Stripes plays garage rock album. That's that's what they that's what Father of All Motherfuckers is. Say that what? again. A White Stripes It's like if the White Stripes wrote plays. a garage rock record. Okay. That's that's what that one so is. So like just fuzz solos a lot of a lot of fuzz um and a lot of like singing through a megaphone and also oh god 100 percent pure uncut rock oh jesus christ yeah no swedish songwriters no trap beats no features 100 percent pure uncut rock okay it's like all right so no one no one no one's fighting for you know, someone who says something like this, you know, yeah. it just, it just looks snobby. That was a bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy though. Cause American idiot is their seventh album. I believe in 2005, I think it came out. So uh, more than a decade of good music. Like that's, that's really good. Solid dude. Yeah. And, and they even have some, uh, good singles coming out, and I think they just released a new single this year. It's that's that's insane to, to just keep going like this, you know. So all respect to them, honestly. 
Yeah. Yeah. If you can keep putting like um keep putting stuff out that 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 you like, you know, like and I guess you can kind of always tell based on the enthusiasm. Um, I Yeah, and like the I I mean frankly the amount of music they make, you know, like I yeah. a, a record company is going to only going to tell you to make a certain amount, but if you're just like going nuts with it and things are changing and whatever then clearly clearly he likes to write music yeah um, for sure well, you can tell in um fucking uno dos tres like that those albums are just really not good and you can i can hear the lack of enthusiasm like oh yeah. i can hear that they're not it's interested. crazy because it's it's three full-length albums yeah of just subpar Green Day songs, <laughs> super subpar. It's just it's, a margin of records. <laughs> like, it's, it's insane. I, the the thought process behind that, those records must be crazy. Uh, but uh, uh, I feel like I feel like we haven't talked about this album at all. Yeah, uh, sorry, but sorry. let's maybe let's get into Nar Nugs so we can kind of get more into it. Damn, you oh. just want to jump into Nar Nugs, bro? I I mean. That's a, it's a pretty good way to talk about stuff. There's three of us. We maybe, might have six maybe. songs, you know? Well, I had, while I was doing this, we should, we should do that. I, while I was doing this, I actually had some questions for Brett too about. Oh. Just, so I was listening to this. I know you're a drummer. Yes, um, sir. Did you, what did you think about the drumming on the record in certain spots? Like what, overall, and then what's your favorite? Uh, well, I've always liked Trey Cool. You know, he's a, he's a very iconic drummer. If not so much a technical one, but he has very iconic like fills and grooves and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the intro to Basket Case when everyone comes in is one of my favorite like intros of all time. And I remember like listening to it over and over again to try to replicate that drum part. Uh, I feel like he's underrated. Solo man. on Burnout. I, I think he's overrated. Oh, really? Because <laughs> do you hear a lot of drummers talk about him? Because he's like low-key one of my favorite drummers. There we go. Now Lucas has the Nimrod album How as his Skype background. I have Uno. <laughs> he got uh, Dookie. That's a, yeah, Kevin started the trend. <laughs> Nimrod's my favorite record by them, but let's move on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think he's pretty overrated. You know, for what he usually brings to the table, but I still love him. You know, I think he, I think he's gotten what he deserves. He uh, does a lot of snare stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of snare and a yeah. lot of cymbals, which influenced my drumming when I first started. It's like about every every four bars, he'll hit a crash just for good measure. <laughs> you know, and just to make sure there's wall to wall. Yeah. Uh, and also long view was a very iconic drum part for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, that the the toms the Yeah, and and how they go from uh chump into long view. I love it. It's very cool. And they kind of go crazy and it's chaos and they kind of lose their place and then it all calms down into that tom part into the intro of long view seamlessly going to the next song. I've always liked yeah. that transition with the bass line that yeah. the bassist wrote on LSD. Apparently, yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was another thing that was I, like I guess um, 
for both of you guys. In one of the other, I don't remember which episode you guys did, but we talked about it, something being a very bass-centric album. Um, I felt like this was a very bass-centric album. Too. Yeah. So many good bass parts. Yeah, way, way it, more than I remember. I feel like Mike Dirt is an underrated bassist. Totally. Yes. There was a, yeah. what was the, there, there was one song that he's just like the bass, like he, they have a part where he kind of, Oh, it's in burnout. There's a part in burnout that like the bass has like, it's a little, like not a solo part, but a part that he kind of gets to stand out from everyone else. And I love it. Yes. Dude. That's so funny. I literally wrote the bass really stands out. Yeah. <laughs> on burnout yeah he's he he was the the standout for me re-listening to this album yeah yeah it, it yeah i i think every song he has one or two parts that you can really latch on to you know he's never it never seems like he's just backing up the guitar and doing nothing else you know yeah right. like he's always trying to make it a little more interesting with his parts yeah he's no it's no maxwell murder you know, but what well, is? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, but, he, yeah. but he's keeping it interesting. For sure. Right. It is It is refreshing um, and to I, not hear basses just follow the guitar. Yeah. And, you know, it's like they, um, they mentioned that I think even, uh, even Mike mentioned that, that um, Billy was... He's like, you know, while everybody was trying to become the best guitarist, Billy was trying to write songs. And I think that really comes to the two. It's like, look, I'm I'm gonna write these power chords and it sounds badass. The end. I'm just gonna write music. <laughs> He's so good at, at <laughs> progressions, man. He's so <sighs> he is really good. He did something he did something really awesome with like their first <clears throat> handful of records and then just rode that shit. Yeah. And it's good. Yeah. I, I always appreciate a guitarist who writes power chord riffs. Yeah. You know, like, like American Idiot. Like, it's a great riff, you know, man. I, yeah, I, I always love that stuff. And uh, Welcome to Paradise. And it paid off when they're playing stadiums. And I, I'm sorry, I won't drag this out. I know we want to do nugs. Um, but like... <laughs> Like it paid out when they're when whenever they were doing stadium stuff because uh, they they started doing that thing where they pulled kids on stage. Yeah, so cool. yeah, they they do that a lot. Yeah, and and so they can just be like three chords, man. Just put here. Look, I'm going to show you right now. Play these three chords, and they feel like a badass. Yeah. you know, it's so cool. So so cool. And the the I've seen Green Day probably three times live, and I think every time they've done that, and every time I've seen them do that, they also he gives away his guitar. Like he gives them his guitar. How fucking amazing is that? Oh man, you yeah. you you ne- you will never forget that experience in your entire no, life. No. no, like have you seen that the video of that Kiss guy uh, playing with uh, Foo Fighters? I have not. No, he. But I've heard about him. I don't know if they set this up before the show, but I think he's from Austin. The Kiss guy, um, or at oh. least he has friends in Austin because I've seen from you know the bands that we've played with somewhere along like. There he's uh, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like I somehow know this guy and he, I don't, I think they set it up before him, but basically they brought up a random fan um, because he had face, he had kiss face makeup on 
And so I think he looked like uh, Gene Simmons. And so they brought him up to play, I want to say Monkey Wrench or one of the, one of their, it had to have been an easy riff. Monkey Wrench is a pretty crazy one to bring someone up oh, yeah, for. Yeah, so it had to have been an easy, an easier riff. But uh, yeah, Homeboy played Dave Grohl's guitar, like, ki- like owned it, like killed it. He was like holding it up and playing it and like had his foot on the, on the, monitor and was playing it and stuff and like he destroyed and i'm just like that would just be the coolest moment oh man yeah at like somewhere like madison square garden or some shit you know oh (laughs) Oh my god i don't i honestly don't know how you could do that just looking at this mass of people right yeah um actually there's a really good green day madison square garden uh story that i saw on wikipedia that um, the song "She" on this record, great song too. I love that track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he when they played Madison Square Garden and um, Billy Joel, dis- Billy Joe decided to play it uh, naked on stage, like he was completely naked the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and he said it was because he didn't know if he would ever play Madison Square Garden again. So he's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do this naked." <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Didn't they like pull the rug out from under them too, and like make it, they? It was supposed to be a regular tour, and then they turned it into some acoustic Christmas. Oh fuck! I don't know about that. <laughs> like, I I don't know. I don't know if it actually ended up happening, but they it was some like Z one hundred Christmas acoustic Christmas or something. Oh yeah, the Z one hundred acoustic Christmas at Madison Square Garden. Wow, that's crazy. And he was like, "Well, I'm gonna play it naked." So it's awesome. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a, I guess that's acoustic in terms of the human body. <laughs> it's it's yeah. about as acoustic as a person right? goes. Yeah. Right. It's naked. Well, what were your, uh, what were your choice <laughs> nugs, Kev? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got, uh, FOD is my first nice. one. Oh, um, okay. I just, I, I know there's, there's so many good ones on it, but, um, I just, connect with that song man i love how it comes in i love the energy i also like that it it's got a little acoustic in it and then just kind of explodes because sometimes during that time you end up with like the last track on the album and some dude tries to do a ballad or something and it's like right you know and i love that it was a little surprising that it just just comes at you um, and with a great riff, it comes in song. very hard. Yeah, it comes in with such a great yeah. riff. It's so fun. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And they wait a um, while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about halfway through the song, I think. Yeah, a minute, a minute thirty-eight in is when it kicks in. Yeah, and I, I, I think. I mean, that one ends up being fun for almost just those, or be my favorite just almost because of how simple that is. It's just like, this is just a fun fucking song with a cool riff. And and, and the FOD out. stands for fuck off and die. So great yeah, right. song title. <laughs> Love that. Also great. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one. Uh, and then she is my second one. She. I, I read that that was one of Billy Joe's favorite songs yeah. he said he'll never not play which was that. interesting to me yeah. yeah yeah i loved i loved that and uh it was cool that it, it kind of connect you know of course connects with him but it, it was also just neat like that i read the story or whatever how it was about his girlfriend um was a feminist and wrote a poet or wrote a poet wrote a poem called she 
and yeah. gave it gave it to him to read, and then he wrote she the song and gave it to her to read, and she broke and, up uh, with him for it, <laughs> and she and she broke up with him, and then and then he recorded the song and put it on the record. <laughs> That's uh, a... <laughs> but I, and you know something else. This is a, a more of a personal thing about she, I guess. Um, it was really earlier I said like, oh man, this was just a fun record and it's just cool. And then they kind of like got political and whatever. And it wasn't really about anything, which is totally wrong. Cause this song is like about a lot of stuff. There's tons of stuff that's, I mean, there's tons of songs in the record that are about really interesting yeah. things, but this was really ahead of its time about like listening to people. If I was, if I was in middle school and got the message that I got reading the lyrics this time around, it would have been an, a, a thinker, you know? Like, it was about listening. Uh, he, I think he wrote something ab- about listening to what people have to say. Um, she screams in silence. Mm. And then, uh, I don't remember what, what did he say. There's like a, there's a section about it. I don't remember what the line is. But anyway, it's about listening. Oh, scream at me until my ears bleed. Mm. Like, yeah, what the the first time listening to the song and looking at the lyrics, I thought it was completely. I thought it was him just being like, "Oh, my fucking girlfriend won't stop yes. talking." So did I. And so, so did I. I can I can see why his girlfriend would have broke up with him. <laughs> but that, <laughs> but looking back around, I mean, I don't know. Like, it still has a bit of sass, a little sauce on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was a little probably pissed off um, that she broke up with him like soon after he wrote this song and kind of like dedic- like in dedication to her because um, I think that's what it was too is that she would she showed him this feminist poem and he was like oh shit like um, things that he probably didn't think about before that too you know like the how women must feel in like that type of society and then it's just like I think he he felt like he yeah. had a moment an enlightenment moment and then she for some reason breaks up with him for either for writing that song or after he wrote that song or whatever and then he's just like maybe he changed some of those lyrics to be like i'm taking heed just for you maybe to be a little more sassy oh yeah yeah maybe a little more a little sassy for us but the i uh i i i skipped over the part that was like more personal so the thing I'd, i'd been working on a project for a while about um uh with my wife that's about like motherhood and things. And the, uh, the line she's figured out all her doubts were someone else's point of view was, was that's a, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good yeah. line. Yeah. Cause it's, it was like, you know, even, even, I mean with anyone really, like you can easily kind of, when you reflect things that you, that you do or you think, and then all of a sudden later on you realize, like, wait a minute, I don't really think that. I was just conditioned to think that. Right. And about um, for the past six nine months, I've been working on this project about motherhood, and and a lot of it's about that. Like, what things, what things are are you, um, what what things do do you really identify with, or what things is society telling you that you need to do or need to be, and that's a um, something that kind of crawled out at me from that song yeah that's um it's i i think it this song was probably my first exposure to like a feminist uh point of view and i was too young to to process it 
You know, I, I, yeah. I love the song yeah. when I was a kid, but uh, I never fully comprehended what the lyrics meant. And listening to it this time, um, it is it's it is really like cool that he's um, coming from that angle and willing to talk about those things. And maybe he had some of those realizations that he's like, oh, my God, I've never thought about things this way. And I had a, a kind of an eye opening moment too, or a little mind expanding moment whenever you were telling me about what you were doing with Bonnie Kev and the business that you guys were starting. Cause, um, one, one sentence that you said like really stuck with me and made me think about new moms in a completely different way where you said, you know, when you have a kid and you're the mom, all ever anyone asks is how's the kid doing? How's the kid doing? How's the baby? Mm. You know, is everything going okay? Blah, blah. And no one really asks, how are you doing? And, and right. so that really stuck out with me. Um, and really, it really, it really stuck with me. I mean, and, um, like I've been able to kind of see new moms in a different way too, because you also said that when you're a new mom, you're expected to like, your life is just this kid. And this is, this is all, yeah. this is your personality. This is your life. This is your day to day, which in a sense, I guess it is, but then also like you like uh, something I didn't know that new moms dealt with is like finding themselves again after they have a kid, because it's just like, well, who, what else am I into? I'm not just into a, into having a kid. Like that can't be my whole personality. That, yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's really, yeah, yeah. That was just like, it's just wanted to call that out that that's something that like has really stood out to me and uh, stuck with me. Yeah. That's cool, man. Thanks. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it, yeah, it's weird. Cause it's like, for so long, somebody will be, will sit with that. And like people that are close to you, family and things, right. You know, you might, you, you get certain impressions of what you should do and, and what you, uh, and I'm not speaking for me, of course, I've worked on this with two other moms and I'm kind of helping be their uh, instrument through this, but like you, you, you are told or shown certain things and you're kind of like, okay, looks like I need to set myself aside now and do this other thing. And, uh, you forget, like, is that, you know, like all her doubts were someone else's point of view. Is that really true? Or is yeah. that, you know, what is that, is that how I'm supposed, is that what being back? a new mom is supposed to be? Because you told me that's what it was, or that's what society right. expects of me. Right. That's what my mom expects. That's what, you know, my brother or sister or whatever. So it's, it's, it's wild. But anyway, that's, that's kind of a cool, uh, connection with she. Yeah, that is really cool. Uh, I, I, to expand on that a little bit too, I feel like the same thing happens with guys in a way where it's just like, how come maternity or paternity leave isn't more of a thing too? Like, why wouldn't the dad want to be home with the newborn? You know? Right. Like that's, I feel like that's a new thing that like people are starting to introduce. Like my, I've had coworkers who male coworkers who have had new babies in 2020 and they took two months off. And that's yeah. not something I I knew about before, but it's also like, why is the mom always expected to go back to work so quickly? Why is the dad expected to just keep, I mean, I understand money needs to happen, but it's just like, you don't think the dad wants to be home with the newborn too? Like that's a weird, like right. cultural thing, like a expectation. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. It's surprising. How, it's surprising how long uh, that that's a thing now, you know, that, that, Maybe that question's been asked many times in the past. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, I saw something recently, uh, and I'm going to make up dates and numbers because I don't remember exactly what it was. So I'm just going to pull it out of my ass. But it was something like, let's say, 20 years ago, 
they interviewed a bunch of dads and so, and a really low percentage of them knew how to change a diaper. And then they just mm. recently did the same type of interview and interview a bunch of dads. And it was something like that number went from like 15% or 12% of dads that knew how to change a diaper to like 95. And, and not oh, just really? like knew how to do it, but <laughs> that they were part of that process. Like that is like, you yeah, know, kind of a newfound concept in the last 20 years or so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's nuts. crazy. I'm glad it, it, it takes a, it takes a village to raise a child. Right. And so I'm glad that dads are getting more involved and it's not just a, Oh, that's what the wife is for is to take care of the child. Right. And the man goes out and gets the bread and comes home and, you know, watches TV. Hey, I'm, try, I'm trying like, to buy I'm, his I'm bread. <laughs> Get off my fucking bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Go and grab me a Bud Light and would you yeah, kid? with the tears yeah. over here. <laughs> I'm always crying. I got you. Don't got nothing to cry about. You got kid. it made, kid. Yo, yo, I'm gonna give you something yeah. to cry about. You know my boss shits <laughs> on me every day. That's the dad I wish I grew up with. My dad was so loving, right? Ugh, so caring sucks, and uh, present. <laughs> Can you do a Papa Indrakov's for Lucas, me real you gotta quick? clean the pool. You gotta <laughs> clean the pool, Lucas. It's gonna get algae. There's algae in the pool, Conyo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, good night. That's all I came for. <laughs> well, all right, Lucas. What are what are your uh, choice nuts? All right, um, dude. Opening track, Burnout. I love it. Burnout. <clears throat> I, I love the, yeah. that little fill. That, like they just, that's how they start the record. Yeah. Uh, I think a consistent theme with me is I love records that just start. Like I'm, I'm into that now. I, I used to be like growing up, Kevin, I don't know if you made this like connection. Or I read this thought that like every album growing up had an intro. And that's yes. not like a big thing. Yeah, no, you're right. No, I haven't thought about it. It's a that. weird thing that I feel like has come and gone. Like intros were like such a big deal on records. And then all of a sudden those went away at some point. And I kind of missed them like going through like, you know, some of these older records that we've been talking about, like Limp Biscuit and shit. I'm just like, I miss having like a lead up, like a lead into the, to the music. And then now we've heard so many newer albums since we've been doing this, this show that I'm just like, dude, I, I love when it just starts now. Like, I'm into that now. You you don't you don't really care about the foreplay anymore. I never really have. You just want to get into the 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 meat and grits. Yeah, that's Christina. I've never really been into that. The meat and grits. <laughs> the meat and the grits. Uh, I made a sexual connection, and now thinking about grits like grossed me out. Just yeah, the, I just thought of a bowl of like hanger steak with covered and gray in grits, yellow mush. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I love grits, though. Yeah, I like some it's steaks mostly time. sexual, my love of grits. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, good. Yeah. That's a good but one. Yeah, dude, I yeah. love Burnout. Burnout definitely is, like, such a great way to start a record. It's super catchy. I started writing catchy yeah. as hell on every song. Every song on this record is super catchy. That's true. I it's And it, 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 it like came out right away and sets the like rebellious teenage like the, vibe just that first line right uh where he says i declare i don't 
care no more, I think. Yeah. Like, that's such a teen angst line. I'm not growing up. I'm just burning out. Yeah. And I'll step in line to walk amongst the dead. Uh, Just everyone, just Mm -hmm. dead-eyed fucking people walking into an office building. (laughs) Wearing a monkey suit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's got the angst. It's got the awesome chord progressions. The really catchy melodies. The drums have a great little breakdown. drum solo. Love the drum solo part. Like so fun. Yeah. And the bass line is just the like calling that out again. The bass line is so good on burnout. That's a really good banner like song. For yeah. Me. It was a great decision to put that one first, like for sure. And I'm sure they, they had to fucking, you know, I'm sure they wanted to put one of the like singles up first, you know, something that was like an obvious radio hit, like Welcome to Paradise or Longview or something. I'm glad they went with this one. Well, it's inter- <laughs> the first single is track four. Yeah, Longview. Know? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And so that's You're that right. was interesting to me because usually it's number two or th- three. It doesn't usually wait until we get to track four to to give out our first uh, radio friendly song. <laughs> yeah, and you think like. Man, and it's like once that once Longview got big and like Basket Case and stuff, every song on this record could have been a single if they decided to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Every single one. Like Burnout, if it wasn't a single, and I don't think it was, um, yeah, it wasn't. Like that easily could have been no. a big hit too. Yeah. I think it's like part of the commercial success of the whole like this is like the if if you were to say this is like a pop punk movement, like catalyst or whatever part of that's the reason why it's just like everything on it was catchy and i don't know just yeah it just worked that way almost all of them could have been it was yeah in fact what i think welcome to paradise was i read that it was like the only single on it that was not a number one that wasn't number one yeah wow that's that's my other choice no Yeah. Oh, is it? That's one of mine well, as well, way. dude. It was. It, did you feel like I did like a little hesitant to make it a choice nug because it's such a big hit? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, not at all, such man. A basic bitch. I've I've always thought this is one of my favorite uh, Green Day songs, and mainly that riff that starts it off is iconic. The harmonies in the chorus, the little uh, yeah. I've always yeah. loved how those sound it, it makes it seem very epic when the chorus comes in yeah they uh those their harmonies on this record are really funny to me because they sound shy like if that's mike <laughs> that's yeah, like a, if that's mike doing the harmonies in the background he's like ah, like he's like ah, i don't think i can do this <laughs> isn't that a thing know. with like early pop punk records but i feel like even like some of blink's early stuff like cheshire cat and everything they're like in the background like Ah, uh, and it's like not. <laughs> not only is it far away, but it's like not convicting. Yeah, it doesn't sound confident. Either, it's just, ah. <laughs> There's a lot. Like it seems very insecure. The, uh, but yeah, man. Welcome to Paradise is uh, is an easy second choice nug for me. Yeah, and apparently this was on the album Kerplunk. Yeah, they re- they re-recorded and it. they yeah. they re-recorded it for this album because I assume they just knew that like. If it got its time in the sun, people would love it. Yeah, they said this version was a little yeah. less, um, like, noisy and it was a little better produced. 
I, I listened to the original and it sounded like they didn't have a metronome on that <laughs> version and the drummer went uh, Trey went a little fast on it uh, so I do prefer this version honestly <laughs> it's great man the it's so again like so catchy oh, oh and and the uh, the bass kind of the transition the do 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 that's such a cool bridge that's such a cool yeah. like other part in the song that just comes out of nowhere and the dan it dan it the guitar joins in the drums are riding on the toms it's such a and then it bursts back into the uh the chorus i believe yeah it's just such a cool part of the song yeah there's so and and like with the bass like we were saying earlier there's so many times where mike just kind of walks off it's like the there's a mo, there's a momentum in one direction for the song and he just kind of goes over here and dances a little bit and then comes back <laughs> and it's not like and it i don't know it just adds the right amount of spice to like every little thing in the song yeah there's there's some tracks like i feel like the first half of the record the when i listen to it it sounds like they put a lot more time into those songs than they did in the second half of the record <clears throat> like the first half has those um random bridges or like little musical interludes that you that you're not expecting they kind of like shift really quickly to something and then come back to what they were doing before and i feel like the second half of the record is much more like straightforward songwriting yeah yeah but in i uh yeah y'all might not want to hear this but i think after when i come around is kind of when I start paying less attention to the album and the songs. Mm-hmm. That's to, fair. Yeah. To, to me, it kind of drops off a little. Like these were kind of more the filler things, like uh, Amenius Sleepus and Coming Clean never like stick in my head or anything. Sassafras Roots. Yeah. 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 I, I kind of thought of this is maybe a little earlier. It's not quite halfway through, but. Like pulling teeth felt like a little bit of an intermission because it's like a different feeling. It's like a power song. pop song. Yeah, it's really yeah. It's, uh, yeah that that like really stood out to me. I'm like, this sounds, sounds totally different than the rest of the record. Yeah, like when you listen to, you know, burnout, having a blast, chump, Longview, welcome to paradise, and then pulling teeth comes. You're like, oh, what? <laughs> and then it kind of takes a left turn, and basket case, of course, and she, and then then like you said, the rest kind of, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it does kind of drop off. I think at, towards the end of the record, I mean, uh, Fuck Off and Die is a great song. Um, but I really like yeah. In the End. I think it's really yeah. catchy mm. and it's fun. You know, like I, I could see people skanking to this. <laughs> I, I could see I, they bring in a brass section yeah. maybe for a show. and Somebody needs to do a compilation of every time someone brings up Ska, the other one of you laughs. <laughs> I've been I've been wanting to get a little bingo board going for a while of the crap we do on this show. Like talk about when we had audio drift. Yeah. Uh arpeggios. Whenever my dog barks in the recording. Yeah, anytime we bring up arpeggios. Oh, yeah. Just the word arpeggios. Yeah, there's a lot of repeated <laughs> things in this. I don't have a lot of material. I don't have no. a lot of back catalog to pull from, so But the just the concept of ska is always so goofy to me. But I love it, it, it to is. death. It is. It's it the is best. Goofy. Yeah. I. I it, one thing that got me really quick out of Ska was realizing how it's marketed to kids. Really? You've said this yeah. before. 
Yeah, when yeah. I was like 18, I started noticing that ska was in a lot of kids' shows, like the the background music. And um, and then you think about like the Aquabats, like they had a cartoon. And um, yeah, and I remember what it really stood out to me. And I think that's I think that I've told you this story, Kev, whenever I was in New York for my internship. And one of the museums that I went to, um, they had a, a schedule and they had like it was like a kid's hour one day. And it was like but it said like ska picnic or something. And I was like, what? They're playing like a ska picnic here. And then it was like kids uh, picnic hour. Blah, blah, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like they just legitimately just like. And you showed up with your like pedophile beard, <laughs> and my, and... my checkered bands, <laughs> calling all the kids posers for not knowing. Yeah. You know who the, uh, who the mighty mighty Boston's are. Yeah, I'm just like you guys are. <laughs> I don't know. Bet all you guys like real big fish. Did you guys even know who Skank and Pickle is? <laughs> <laughs> Name three special songs. <laughs> oh man! So that, uh, that helped me get uh, out pretty quick. Ah, jeez. What's your other choice, Nug, Brett? My other choice, Nug, is Basket Case. Classic. Because uh, that was an early one for me. One of my one of the first Green Day songs I think I've ever heard. Uh, the iconic intro when everyone comes in in the band. I think it gave me goosebumps the first time I heard it. It's classic, you know? dude. Yeah. Dude, yeah, that song, again, with like how it could be an easy thing for just like jumping into band practice for fun, that happened so many times with that song for me in high school. Yeah. Just somebody would play any part of it, you know, and then everybody would, would, would jump in. And that palm muting style, like the, you know, really so bouncy. Cool. Yeah. Um, I loved that, man. I love to do that. I like to listen to. Yes, it. yeah. Basket case was one that I <laughs> I had to I had to do a little bit of like not being honest with myself and being like I can't pick that as a choice. Nug, it's it's too it's too <laughs> obvious. <laughs> but uh, it is it's one of those songs that's like it also kind of doesn't stand for anything, but also does have a message. You know, like he's he's not standing for anything, yeah. but he is talking about his like mental health um, struggles. I mean, it seems like he's just kind of, uh, just, it seems like the song was made more for him to express how he feels, you know, than to present any kind of message or anything, just to try to make sense of his emotions. Yeah. Which actually like that, that idea is very, I don't know if it's very Green Day or very pop punk or what, but it's very, I don't know, it's on brand for this. Sure. Right. It's like just putting it out like uh, earlier, like when I said, like it's, it, it feels like it stands for nothing, even though it clearly does. It did for them. And that's what it, that's what mattered. Like it, it was clear that they kind of wanted to have fun with it. They made fun music. They, but, but also they, he used it as an outlet for writing. Yeah. Even if it didn't sound like if it wasn't, you know, a really angsty record or something. For sure. Um, yeah. I think it's a, uh... It is kind of like self-deprecating, which I think is like super punky, um, and self self-deprecating yeah. in a way that it's it's fun, you know. It's not like such a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it is like I love the bassline on this song. The 
you know, Trey Cool, I feel like, fucking kills it on Basket Case. This is a super fun song to play on drums. Lots of lots of symbols. I've, oh yeah, a lot. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Does he lots have a three piece? I don't know. You're supposed to know. You're supposed to know, know these things. The, drummers can get eight pieces, three pieces. It all sound the same. You think? Well, we'll wait. You yeah, yeah. Go up. ahead. We'll wait. Uh, he played a one piece. It was a snare and a cymbal. You really think? You really think Neil Peart, <laughs> Neil Peart could have used a, a three piece and still done all that? Yes. Bullshit. Who's the Who's the drummer for Steely Dan? Do you think that fucker could could do something without a eighty six piece set? You mean Dan? You talk yeah, about Steely's Dan? Steely's a singer, right? Dan. <laughs> no, Steely was the singer. I, yeah. They have a really good drummer right now, I think. Or Man, the drummer that played whenever we saw them live, me and you, Kev, like, amazing, dude. Yeah. They, they've always guy, had great drummers. Holy shit. Yeah. They had, uh, I think that guy is actually from, that guy, when we saw them, that guy was from Austin. No shit. Or was like a, a student at UT or something. Oh, oh. that's awesome. Dude, he was, he was yeah. really, really good. Uh insane i don't think uh i don't think either of you guys know this but brett and kevin both you guys uh are seely dan fans oh man i'm not really oh bullshit because you told me aja or whatever was like the bible for for sound engineering yeah and i'm a bad sound engineer so i never (laughs) listened to it (laughs) you're the bad boy of sound engineering they call me the bad boy of sound tech Back at South Plains. Well, shit, my bad. <laughs> it, they are, they are really. I mean, hyper focused on like studio. Yeah, and production recording. value Dude, and stuff. Their like their yeah, their sure. records are like the definition of like headphone, like good over the ear headphone records. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I had the only my the best vinyl record that I had that sounded better to me than digital or cd or anything was uh gaucho i had gaucho Mm. on on vinyl and it sounded so good and i bet because at the time it was one of my dad's records i bet at one i bet at the time they just like you know hyper produced (laughs) that record for vinyl so much cocaine just to keep them up at night to finish to fucking produce that thing (laughs) to gold Oh yeah, damn! I thought you were. I thought you were a silly Dan fan, Brett. I fucking. Uh, I probably should be. I I haven't had a chance to listen to well, him. I know Kev loves him, but we'll see. Kevin's the only reason I've seen them live. Well, and uh, goddamn, that was a good show. I was fucked up at that show, though. Yeah. The... Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we. So was my dad, <laughs> dude. God. I was falling asleep at the end. I felt. I felt bad. Yeah, it was. I mean, I like. I, I a part of me liking them. I think is is of course my dad. I grew up listening yeah. to him, but uh, but yeah, I just they're good musicians all around. So. Yeah, uh, shit, man. Well, yeah, dude. Uh, all right, Basket Case. We picked some good choice nugs, man. Burnout, Welcome to Paradise, Basket Case, She and Fod. I would say those are the best four songs on the record. I feel like a little bit of a, a, a hipster because I like picking the, those two. I wasn't trying to like not pick the the hits. I liked so many. <laughs> I, I liked so many songs from this record, though. There really sure there is not a yeah. bad song. There's not. There are some songs that like don't stand out to me, but in my opinion, like 
There's not a bad song on this record. You listen to the whole thing. Yeah. It's crazy the guy who produced this shit too. He did a lot of huge albums. Um he he also did American Idiot. Um and he did Nimrod, mm-hmm. which like, oh my god, dude, that is never gonna not be my favorite Green Day record. But he did The Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. He did Google oh, Dolls wow. Dizzy Up the Girl. He did uh, fucking Kid Rock's Rock and Roll Jesus. Kid Rock. <laughs> Who? Wait, Kid Dude, Rock? Dude, yeah, Rock and Roll Jesus. I mean. Oh, uh-oh. Yeah, definitely, arguably, his best record. I, th- I think that might be our next album. Oh, uh, shit. Is it, is it Kid Rock record? Oh, man, I would, <laughs> oh, I would shit. love that. Uh, I am. Can I? I will say I'm a little disappointed. Neither of y'all picked uh, "All by Myself." I was all by myself as your choice. Oh. I was. I was waiting for one of y'all to do it, uh, but I. I did. I, I did write myself. in my notes that I genuinely love that song. <laughs> I do. I. I no. I, I, I. It was funny. I thought it was great. You. You don't like the the musical merit. You don't think it has any musical merit. Is that what you're well, saying? Well, earlier I was wondering if you get when you talked about Trey Cool and how like and you're like any of the stuff that Trey Cool. I don't know. And then I was like, well, are you gonna say that you hate it all by myself? No one's said it. Of course I would. No, no. That's one of the best songs that they've made. <laughs> and I didn't know that was him. I love that they credit him. They credited him in the like thing for it too. Or like. Yeah. Vocals. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that Very was him. Cool. I could have sworn that was Billy Joe because it sounded enough like Billy Joe that I thought it was, and he was just being lazy. <laughs> did it did it? to me. And listening to it again, <laughs> I was like, "Well, dude, it's like you listen to that first Nirvana record, and half of those songs don't sound like Kurt Cobain. So you know, p- people change. You're like, <laughs> well, who can? And know? just a blanket statement before we get into our ratings, like I think Billy Joe Armstrong is one of my favorite rock singers. Very iconic voice for sure. Yeah, yeah. The whole like, I don't know. Don't no pronouncing H's and really hard R's. Yeah, and the and the combination of like he's kind of nasal and his voices are like a little snotty, where he's kind of like, yeah, fuck you, I don't care if I'm good. But he actually has a great voice yeah. too. So like, he'll blend in the snottiness with like really good vibrato and like he genuinely has a great voice. So he's and he's only gotten better. I feel like as they've as they've gone on, like his voice has only gotten better. So I yeah, listening to this album, I, it just reminded me like he is one of my favorite rock singers of like all time for me. Really good showman too. Like on stage, they're like it seemed like they're, they're so fun to watch, man. Mm-hmm. They put on a great fucking show. Did you go to Blink One Eighty Two and Green Day when they came through? I didn't see. No, I didn't go to that <sighs> show. Um, I, I saw Blink with a few people, but I, I didn't go to the Green Day show. It was Jimmy Eat World, Green Day, and Blink-182. Right, right when, um, I think, I guess Warning was Green Day's latest record at that time, so that's not good. But um, uh, <laughs> Enema of the State had just come out, and like Jimmy Eat World was like playing the middle, and uh, all that shit was like huge on the radio. Dude, it was such a great show. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, the I guess the guy who mixed Dookie also did Blink, Sum Forty One, Alkaline Trio, and AFI. Damn! So it's like they had this, they had this like dream team, I guess, on this record from Reprise when they got Damn, on the label. Damn, dude, AFI is a is a band I still love. Yeah, you know, not their newer stuff, but holy shit, I can go back anytime. Alkaline Trio too. 
Yeah. Um, well, shit, Kev. What a what would you rate this record? One one through <clears throat> ten, and decimal points are allowed. We're gonna be here a while. <laughs> um, man, I if, guess like, huh? If, if you want one of us to go first, so yeah, you can, please, you can yeah, contemplate. Yeah, yeah. Brett. yeah, let's do it. I'm giving this one a six point seven, uh, zero to ten, just because I I enjoy it very much, and I I will be re-listening to this thing whenever I'm in the mood. Uh, but it's not like a super. I don't know. It's not like a super mind blowing or important album to me personally, but it's, it's just a good fun. Listen, I get that, man. Yeah. I would, um, I'm going to, I disagree with you and I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. Okay. Uh, I it's, it's that time. Of yeah. The show, let me I tell guess. you all the reasons, uh, that you've always, you've upset me during this episode. So, okay. I would, originally I was going to give this a uh, eight point something cause I fucking like this, uh, <laughs> This was a great, like a very nostalgic album for me. And one that I literally like, I wore this CD out like back in the day. And I had to rebuy this album in high school because I couldn't fucking play it anymore. But uh, mm-hmm. I was going to give it an eight point something. And after like re-listening a few times, that's when I did start noticing that the second half of the record was a little weaker. Didn't have a lot of standout tracks where like, I feel like the first six or seven songs were like, could all be singles easily. And we're all really catchy and fun. So I'm going to give this like yeah. a 7.8. And, and yeah, okay. and, and that's again, like I still love this record and I can't say many bad things about it, except that it does seem like the second half is a little more, a little less like, going outside the box for what they were doing and uh, a little more like straightforward and maybe a little lazier, but yeah, man, I love this record. 7.6 for me or 7.8. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to go with the uh, 7.666. Yeah. Okay. Infinitely or uh, Uh infinitely repeating or does it stop? Yeah. yeah, Infinitely repeating. Okay. Yeah. It's got, cause like you said, This has like a special place for me in terms of like where where it came from and the music that I like and its significance in like you know the punk and pop punk kind of history or whatever and and like you said there's so many good songs on it that just jam um, but yeah there's there you know it's not like I had I had a a bunch of records that I listened to at the time and this one was in that rotation but it wasn't like around all the time. You know, I moved on from it and right and stuff. So it, it was it was good. Uh, maybe not in the Hall of Fame forever and ever or whatever, but it was it was would it, it was excellent and it was super influential. Would this be in y'all's top fifty? Oh shit! I would. You know, I would say if there's any Green Day album in my top fifty, it would be Nimrod. Okay. I think it's in my top fifty. Yeah. For sure. All so right. is this one that you're gonna play for yeah. Harvey, like That's good. when he gets a little older too, and be like, "Dude, I love this record. I want you to listen to this." Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. He's like I said, he's associated like me with when he likes music. He's associated me with like loud music. So <laughs> I think that he, uh, when he starts asking me about stuff like that, I mean, there will be a lot of pop punk, and this will be on the rotation for sure. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Brett, what would you uh, rate this episode, bud? You know what? I'm going to give this episode an 8.7. S tier. <laughs> All right. Because I, 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 we, well, I mean, we're, we're probably going to get to about two hours here. And I don't, we just, we just talked about, we were just everywhere, man. And I love it. And I, I, I love that you could uh, come on and be a guest on our, on our little podcast. Oh man. Thank you guys for, for having for real, me. man. It's awesome. Yeah. Of I was so excited when you were, when yeah. I asked and you were actually interested in doing this because. Oh, so dude, it ruined <laughs> me for like two weeks. <laughs> I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? I just got to listen to all these records. <laughs> yeah, this was like, man, I just remember so many conversations about music with you. Like from from when we were mm-hmm. kids all the way through college and, and after. Like so many like just, you know, especially in college, just like so many conversations, just like drinking and just listening to music and being like why we love it. We've been to so many shows together. Like you. Yeah, man, I was I'm so psyched that you did this. And like, I'm not surprised that we went two hours. There was like 10, there was like 10-15 minutes before we even started recording. So like that's, I wish we had gotten some of that stuff. But yeah, man, I'm not surprised we went this long. And seriously, dude, I feel like I haven't seen your face in like two years. Like even before the the pandemic. I I know, man. It's been, it's been a really long time. Um, Too long, long. man. Yeah. You you look, you look noticeably worse. But Mm. it. A lot of people I mean, say so, that about him. The the years haven't been kind. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, dude. It's been too long, and you're right. It's it's fun to. Uh, we've had so many conversations about it, and probably the only the main person, if not the only person, who really got into the detail on on music with. So it's been fun, man. I hope I can get to do it again sometime. Of course, anytime, man. Dude. Yeah, anytime you want to be on. If you think of another album you want to do, and one of them, I you were talking about three eleven, and I was hoping it was Transistor. Uh, it was that's the one that I remember getting like yeah. listening to that a bunch with you back in the day too. And if you ever want to do that one, sorry, man, Brett, we're gonna make Brett listen to Three Eleven. <laughs> the the white boys reggae, oh, man. yeah, like reggae mixed with metal. Put up, put right up there with Limp Biscuit. Yeah, Limp Biscuit, <laughs> I felt like was the best reggae metal, but Three Eleven was pretty close. Yeah. Close second. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I would give uh, this episode a nine point nine. I loved having uh, Kev. Oh, I loved wow. having you on. You brought a lot of cool. You did. A, you did some good research there, bud. You, you brought a lot of cool, you know, stories and uh, cool perspectives. And yeah. Everything. That was that was fun. Thanks, man. You did about eighteen times the research Lucas did for any episode up till now. If it's if it's not on the Wikipedia, uh, so that's you. that's refreshing yeah. for me. I told Lucas yesterday, I was like, dude, the bar is really high here. <laughs> and I told him it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Assured him, no, yeah. you're fine. It's un- unfortunate and unfortunate how much uh, I talk about it. But anyway. Man, yeah, it's um, it's so fun, though. It's cool that, uh, Kev, like, I appreciate that you listen to these episodes and everything, too. Like, that's so cool that, that it's something that you enjoy also. Like, that makes me... Oh, that yeah. makes me, you know, oh, you yeah. good taste. Felt... <laughs> I, I told you, it's it's like I uh, I wish I could just like jump in and yell at it. Or sometimes I sometimes I hear 
if you guys do something I haven't listened to, um, it's, it's surprising that like what your opinions are about it too. So it's cool, man. I dig it. I, I hope I can do it again. Well, we'll, we'll be sure to see you on our, uh, first live stream that we do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, we'll get a you. Patreon going. We're gonna, we'll do live episodes. <laughs> We're going to going to get all that stuff. We're going to just be YouTubers Is or Peri- something. Yeah. Clubhouse, oh, God, man. Everyone's talking about Clubhouse. Is Periscope still a thing? No, I think uh, they shut it down. TikTok. Uh, TikTok's the new thing. Got to get on got to get on TikTok, yeah. I swear the kids I don't are have the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode. You can find us on Instagram at ebpcast. You can find uh uh, Lucas at John Luke yep. Guitard and me at Brett Hanrahan with three T's. If you just just kind of want to see what's going up, what's going down, maybe whichever you prefer. Kev, let uh, us know when uh, the new biz kicks off. I know that's happening in a few weeks, I think, and uh, and we can share the news, bud. We'll promote it. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's awesome. Man. We'll shamelessly yeah, a, plug your stuff. I mean, the majority uh, yeah. of our audience is new it's, moms. Uh, Right, new it moms, all new moms. Um, yeah, it's and that's not an accident. No, that's who we market to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the the company is called Aluma. It's explorealuma. dot com, and that comes out in uh, on the third. We're gonna try to launch it. So right before Mother's Day, um, the, the third, third of, May. of May. Third of May. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. dude, this. So, I can't say for sure, but I almost think that that might be when this episode comes out. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah. Radical. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, promote this stuff. Awesome. And what's it called again? It's um, Aluma. 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 Yeah. A-L-U-M-A. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. They're doing cool things for new moms. Y'all check them out. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate that y'all listen to this shit and that you listen to a bunch of idiots ramble about music and uh, and I get high in the process <laughs> and maybe sometimes get a little too quiet. <laughs> I, I get, get shy. shy. You know, I'm like, I'm like the harmonies yeah. on, on this record. I'm a little shy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think on our next episode, we're talking about um, famous monsters finally by the misfits. <laughs> it's been like a month since we brought it's that been... album up. You <laughs> Just chase it forever. Yeah, never well, do let's it. Let's just have keep, always keep, talk about. It. Let's you just know, keep I like having guests idea. on, and then we'll never get to it. <laughs> Kevin will be back yes, next week with uh, two three eleven records. Mm. <laughs> Wait, well, we got to get to three, right? Three three eleven. Oh records. shit! Oof. We'll just do their entire discard. Love it. It'll take the forever. New, the new oh, stuff's okay. the best. All right, buddies. Thanks for listening, right. Kev. Thanks again. <laughs> Love you, man. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you so Thank much you. for get, for being we'll, on. I'll count Thanks, down Brad. from three, and we will stop recording, and let's just stay on Skype for a couple minutes. And a three, and a two, and a one.